Hey guys, it's Luke, and uh, I know we haven't done a video in a while, so uh, I'm trying to get back onto the uh, podcasting and video a little more regular. That was one of my big 2018 goals, but um, missed the last few weeks. Obviously, it was a busy time for us during Boston and, and afterwards, so uh, hopefully now we can uh, get into uh, the swing of things as we approach the uh, end of spring marathon season, people start getting into uh, the beginning of their fall marathon training here in another month or so. So um, been wanting to touch on some things and I have always asked my Facebook group people for uh, for ideas and um, athletes we coach and things like that. So we have uh, we've got a ton of questions from people that uh, I've all written them down and just one of those things where I haven't had time to, um, to do this. So getting into it. So with that, let's uh, let's jump into one of these questions. So um, I received a question, and this is accompanying with a blog post that'll be on uh, my website, uh, Hanson's Coaching Services.com, and will also be podcast as well as uh, YouTube video. So, um, so I got a, so one of the questions I got from a, uh, a Hanson's Marathon Method user was essentially the athlete asked about staying motivated as they had passed their prime in air quotes and what kind of goals one should set uh, based on that, you know, if they should move on to something different or how do, how do they stay motivated? Um, all those types of things. So personally, I was intrigued to uh, explore this a little bit more for my, for my own selfish reasons. Uh, as I write this, you know, I'm still at a high level, as many of you know, for as far as competing, but uh, you know, I'm definitely, noticing that uh, the people in front of me are much younger than me now. Um, and a lot of my friends who were uh, elite athletes are now retired elite athletes, but I'm still here. So um, so there's so there's a lot going on here. And I think uh, we approach this with, uh, with looking at this a couple different ways. So first off, what I was curious about was I wanted to know um, when people really start falling off of their best performances, you know, uh, I've been coaching people varying, varying ability since 2006. Uh, I would say, you know, I've coached everybody from, you know, national champion contenders, um, Olympic trials qualifiers, all the way up to, um, people who you were know, literally just trying to break six hours or trying to run, uh, the whole way without, without stopping to walk, you know, so I've covered, covered the whole spectrum of, of people here. Um, and based purely, I mean, I don't really have anything other than my observation on this, but, uh, um, but I've noticed performance doesn't necessarily decline, you know, as soon as somebody hits a certain age, regardless of where they're at. Um, I've never seen where this performances drop off dramatically. So, and I've seen people improve all, you know, all throughout, you know, um, you know, at an age where you wouldn't necessarily think somebody would be able to improve a great deal, seen them make great strides and there's a lot going on on that. But, uh, uh, I came across a study, um, Zavorsky uh, and colleagues in 2017, and it's called um, Declines in Marathon Performance, Sex Differences in Elite and Recreational Athletes. So basically what they were looking at was, you know, where did elite athletes start falling off on performances, men versus and women, and then where did recreational athletes start falling off, uh, men, men and women. So um, they did look at elite athletes to, you know, air quotes, average ability, which I don't quite understand how they, why they decided that terminology, what the definition of that terminology, who that included, 
but basically you're probably looking at the elite field versus you know everybody else. Um, and what they looked at was the finishing data for all the age groups and men and women from New York City Marathon, Chicago Marathon, Boston Marathons from the years 2001 to 2016. So that's quite a bit of, of data. So with that many subjects, definitely over a long period of time, so you're basically looking at 16 years worth of data. Um, this, you're going to have a very good makeup of where performance was for age uh, and, and gender. So the fastest group, what they found overall was the fastest group was 25 to 34 years old, which you know I don't think anybody finds as, as a surprise at all. Um, with the average male champion being 28 years old, the average woman being 30 years old, actually almost 31, it was like 30.8 years old. So it was almost 31 years old. So um, women were actually a little better, uh, a little bit older than, than the guys were. Uh, from ages 35 to 74, average female group age group winner dropped two and a half, basically two and a half minutes um, from the next youngest age group. So the, so from, you know, basically you have 30 to 34 would be an age group and then 35 to 39 would be an age group. A 35 to 39 age group on average would be 230, 230 slower than the 30 to 34 age group. So, and then you could be, basically keep doing that down the line. So 40 to 44 and then 45 to 49 on and on and on. Um, the men dropped about just over two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, six seconds, they dropped. But the same thing, every age group, every age group that was older got about two minutes slower. So, um, so but I, and I don't think that's a big surprise to anybody, anybody either. Um, the median times only began to slow after the age of 50. And then after that, the rate of decline was similar between uh, men and women. So what does all that mean? Well, to me, it means a, it means a couple things. Uh, one, it means to me that uh, the, the faster you are when you are younger, the more you're going to feel the effects of aging. Or putting it another way, if you are a lifelong competitive athlete, the more likely you will drop off from your peak younger performance. Um, so you're basically going to, it's going to affect you more if you, so I'll use myself for an example. I've been competing since I was 14 years old. I'm now 37. And so as I keep aging, I'm probably going to be affected a little bit more, but I say that with a grain of salt because that's looking at it just purely from a number standpoint. But what I would say is that um, is an elite athlete. So you're looking at the elite athletes are going to dominate those younger age groups. Right. Um, and so when you take a, an elite athlete, you know, and they get into their mid thirties, upper thirties, um, and they air quote retire, most really do that. Like, so most of the, most of my friends who are elite athletes, just don't run races at all anymore. Right. So they're no longer in the, in that pool of subjects. Right. So when they got to 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, a few people up to the 40, but then after that, they, they just stopped racing. They don't, they didn't want to race anymore. So they just, they just don't do it anymore. So those people are no longer in, then they're not going to be in the 40 to 44 age group. They're not going to be in the 45 to 49 age group, you know, on and on and on. 
they're no longer in that pool. So if they stayed running, I would I would venture to say, and they started and they trained as competitively as they do they did when they were younger, or you know appropriately, that those median those those age group winning times would be less and less and less. So what I mean by that is instead of being two and a half minutes slower for the women every age group, it might go to two minutes or maybe a minute and a half slower. But if those people, if those fastest people were still in those age age groups, but I'm, I'm saying that as you get, as you're an elite athlete and you move on from your professional career, you just don't even, you don't even run those races anymore. And especially, and definitely not in the numbers that you were. So say, you know, there's 50 people in the elite field at Boston. Eventually those people that are going to age out of there are no longer in the sport at all. You know, so that's what I would say with, to that. They're not, they're not going to be in those age groupers. So younger age groups will be dominated, will obviously dominate major road races, but for, you know, middle aged runners, once you get in that upper thirties, forties and, and above, those age groups are now wide open because the fastest of the fast people aren't necessarily in those age groups anymore. So hopefully that makes sense. You know, so it's, it's going to be very, very fast through 35 to 40. And then those people leave the sport and then you have recreational runners who are now automatically going to be more competitive simply because those elite athletes are no longer in, in their age groups anymore. So, um, so that's what, that's what I would say to that. So I don't think those numbers truly mean that though that the people are that much slower. I would like, what I would like to see is separate the elite field out of those groups and look at recreational people who are not in the elite field. So they weren't invited athletes, take those out of those pool, look at the 25 to 34 year olds and compare them to now the 35, 39, 40, 44, you know, compare those to the other recreational age groups that are older than them. And I bet those numbers would be a lot closer to each other. Uh, so secondly, the median times never really dropped for 35 to 50 years old. They stayed pretty consistent. So and I find this interesting is the biggest range. Of, these are the biggest range of people who are, you know, starting families, their careers, this and that. So they're going to have, a, they're going to have basically the least amount of time to train. So they're able to get in what they can get in. Um, and they're not going to always, they're not going to be able to train necessarily to their physiological potential. We'll discuss that in a second, but um, beyond that times do um, drop off. And I don't necessarily think that it's, it's um, ability. I think it's just more training. I think people either move on from training or you have newer runners who are starting later in life who are starting from a lower fitness level. So they're automatically going to be a little bit slower on those. So there's a lot of different things going on there. I don't necessarily think that it's automatically um, a drop off simply because of, um, of your age. And, you know, this is, this is kind of off. I didn't write about this in the blog, but I looked at when I did my master's thesis at, at Oakland university, they used to have a, um, a wellness program right on campus. And so I looked at data from, it was roughly, 1500 employees over the course of years at, at OU. And they would basically look at, you know, they would do basic physicals on you, heart rate, things like that, do exercise tests for you and do this and that. And they would measure heart rate and things like that. And they found, you know, we looked at, you know, we had a 1500 subject data pool. It was a big, big subject pool. And what we found is when like you take a sedentary at a sedentary employee, their health declined much more rapidly than a person who 
met minimum exercise guidelines and then even more so for the people who exceeded, you know, trained regularly, ran races, triathlons, whatever they were doing. Um, those folks, just looking at heart rate data, you know, you, you, you take that standard formula of 220 minus your age, you're basically assuming you're going to lose a maximal beat per year you're alive. Um, you know, so once you get to 40, you subtract 40, once you get to 50, you subtract 50. So basically you're saying that your max heart rate goes down by a beat per year as you age. And we found that the, the fittest people who had exercised throughout their lives, it wasn't anywhere near that. I mean, it was maybe a couple beats a decade that their max heart rate would be. So that they would lose in their max heart rate. And then people who are sedentary, they would lose significantly more than that. So um, it's all about where you're exercising. Um, if you're a lifelong exerciser, you know, you can keep health benefits and fitness benefits way, way later into life than if you're a sedentary person, um, then then your health just declines much, much more rapidly. Um, so going back to this, the second part of this that I want to talk about was, you know, why I can make a claim like this, basically, why, why do I feel like age is not necessarily a, a factor? Um, it might be, it might, it's obviously a factor if you're trying to win an outright race, you know, you obviously just don't see too many 50 year olds winning, um, you know, major marathons, but you look at how fast the 50 year olds are compared to um, their peers at a younger age, then I'd, I'd say that those numbers are pretty close to each other. But why can I make a claim like that? Well, one is uh, I have a graph in the blog. So if you, if you can go to the blog when this is up, um, take a look at it, but it's in Jeff Horowitz's book. It's called Ageless Strength, um, Strong and Fit for a Lifetime. It's basically strength training programs for for folks over 40, but he's got a great, great graph in here. Um, it's basically fitness versus age. And so needless to say, our peak physio, and he's got three lines on there. And the first line is, you know, is line A. Um, and basically what you're seeing is this represents peak physiological performance. So you can imagine it, it takes a pretty rapid incline up to about 30, kind of levels off between 30 and 40. And then from 40 on, it's a steady, steady decline. And that's your max physiological ability, your, your genetic ability. If you trained, if you trained like an elite athlete, this is probably what, what you could get close to. Um, and then you have line B, which is, a, it, which is a slower increase. And it actually increases up to about 40 um, and stays pretty steady through 50 and then, and then gradually declines. And what this represents is um, your actual physical fitness, right? But so you, but you basically have a gap between A and you have a between A and B. And it, the difference there is the is the fitness that you're basically losing out on. Um, whether you know, and clearly, I mean, you know, we can't train like elite athletes, you know, right? You know, so this is assuming like if you're a professional athlete, you're able to maximally train. You'd be up here. You know, the average person working a job has a family, this and that. Um, you're going to be able to train, but you're not going to be able to train as, as much as you would like to or what your body's going to get the most out of. And so you have that gap there. So, but the point there is that even for most of us that are training, we never train to our true ceiling. So even as our physiological ability comes down, our ability to train never reaches that ceiling. So basically, there's not a ton of room there, but there's room where you can always actually improve. It's just a matter of how you're going to get that out of either your training or whatever. And then the beauty of this, though, is that it, it stays pretty steady through 
40 to 55, even in, even close to 60. Um, and then you have a line C, which is a much lower line. And then it increases up once you get somebody like to 40. So what this basically represents is somebody who is maybe sedentary or not very active, or maybe they were active in high school, got out of college, just started working their job and kind of went, you know, through life. Um, but then they realize, you know, say they got to their 40th birthday and they're like, I got to change things. They started training again, this and that. Then you see the fitness jump way up and they can actually be almost as high as the B level, which is a person who's basically trained their whole life um, and has that, has that higher initial um, fitness ability. But a, a person who starts later in life, they can actually, while B is coming down because they've, whatever, whatever reason, they're not training as hard, this and that, or they, you know, they may have moved on. A person who's just starting to train comes way up. So they almost, you know, one's coming down, one's coming up. And they can actually be as just as much, um, have just as much capability and performance than than a person who's trained their whole life. So if you're, so that's why it kind of depends where you're at with this. If you're if you're 45, but you've only been running for a couple of years, your window of opportunity is much bigger than somebody who's trained their whole life and is just either getting stale or getting bored or wants to move on, this and that. Um, then, then, you know, you can almost, that, that person who's just starting to train can actually even pass that person in ability. So again, it really depends on where you are at and what you want to do with, with your performance. All right. So with competitive lifelong runners, we kind of talked about this, maintaining a high level of fitness is tough for really long periods of time. You know, right now, again, I think of myself here as being an, you know, an elite athlete for 15 years, as I write, and, you know, I write this in 2000. 18, um, you know, I, there's been a lot of early, cold, windy, snowy mornings and hot, humid, tiring afternoons, about 80,000 miles worth. And I get it. Sometimes you just want to move on. You're not motivated as, as you were five, 10 years ago. You know, I get it. Um, sometimes you just want to run for the fun of it. You want to do a race with a loved one. Um, you want to do something crazy like a marathon in every county and every state something like that. I don't know. People do all these crazy things now, but the the thing is we all have choices to make. Maybe taking a break reignites the desire, you know? So, you know, maybe taking a step back from hard training, you kind of get refreshed and then you can actually come back and train again. And your body's actually more capable of, of handling training again. Um, there's so many things there, you know, or, or you just decide you want something else to do. Uh, if you do move on, then, um, then you probably wouldn't be reading this anyway if you've if you've decided to move on. Um, you know, I joke I have in the blog is basically when I'm done, I'm probably just gonna be done. Like for me, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna transition the work I put into running into probably golf or something like that. Like, you know, I would like for me a new challenge would be to make the champions tour or something like that as a as a 40 plus year old, whatever. Um, that would be my dream, you know, and that's what and I could put my passion that I had for running into something like that. But then again, you know, I don't know, running is still fun to me and writing this actually made me think of different things that I would like to do. Maybe, you know, like maybe an ultra or something like that, or, you know, I don't know about 50 marathons and 50 States. I don't know if that really gets me going, but you know, there's definitely things that, you know, thinking about this for this, for this video and this blog really got me thinking that, Hey, maybe I might, might want to do something else. But if you still, so if you are still keeping, looking to keep running and racing as your prime time passion, then I take 
than take everything we discussed as positive news that we can really maintain high levels of performance well into our fifth and sixth decades of life. Um, so we're not, we might not be able to win a race outright. We can be highly competitive in our age groups, chase age-graded performances, go to smaller races. And this is actually something I've done is, you know, I've kind of, I've done the world, I've done a lot of the world majors and that's a great atmosphere, but I've done that. And I've done that for a long time. You know, I want to go, I like the feel of the smaller races now. I feel I like to feel where I can still compete with for a win or, you know, it's, you know, it's just a, it's just a more small town feeling, you know, and even though it's not like, you know, but you know how, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just not, there's not 40,000 people there. It's a couple thousand. And a lot of times you're there with buddies or people I coach or whatever. And it's just got a different feel to it. And it's just more of that kind of, you know, club than, than it is a job, you know? So that's, that's definitely something that you can think about, or you can move up in distance, or you can go into something like trail running. So those, both of those ultras and trail runnings are, are, are really on the rise right now. And I can see why is people are kind of transitioning away from just doing marathons all the time and maybe getting stale with that. They're trying new things. Um, if you're looking at staying as competitive as you can, whether it's age group wins, age graded performances, being competitive in smaller races, then I urge take a look at how your training is structured. Because what I find a lot of times with masters runners is they tend to do three things. One, they put too much emphasis on just running more miles as a way to compensate for declining performance. So basically say they were running 50 miles a week forever and they see that their performance is declining. So in their mind to think that they need to make that up, they want to add, you know, 10 miles a week. They want to go to 60, 65, 70 miles a week. And that might not necessarily be the right answer. The second thing is they tend, tend to sh shy away from doing speed workouts. So things like strides, VO2 max workouts, shorter races, they just abandon like, 5Ks and 10Ks all together, and they just go run marathon, marathon, marathon. And then it also kind of exacerbates the problem because you, you tend to just get further and further away from things that would actually help you maintain your overall speed and your overall um, performance ability because you've just neglected taking that out of your training. The third thing is they tend to neglect general strength and mobility. And this is a lot of times goes in, these all go hand in hand together. They, they run more mileage and it's, and it's going to be longer, long runs. It's going to be longer, easier days. And in turn, things like speed workouts get taken out. And if they're running more mileage, then they don't have now, now they don't have the time to spend a couple days a week on core training or general strength training. And so those things that would be more, I guess, power-based and, um, you know, muscle building or muscle preservation those things are no longer in their program. And so they're going to lose that muscle mass faster. And they're going to, they're going to end up ultimately just losing that ability even quicker because you're not doing anything to preserve it. And that's one of the biggest things I see with aging athletes is, is this loss of muscle mass and going back to those things with the speed work, the general strength, the mobility types of things. It's not, it's not necessarily because we're aging that's making us slower. It's because we're aging and we stop doing certain things and we start losing that muscle mass or at the very least preserving that muscle mass that we have in the neurological connections that go with it, then performance is going to decline a lot faster. If we can keep that, we're going to see a much slower decline in performance. And, and this is great for like, you know, age group athletes. It's going to mean you're more competitive in your age group. It's going to be more competitive in people in younger age groups too. Um, so while I love moderate, moderate to high mileage, I'm always a mileage person. 
I do think you have to keep everything in check, right? So just running more mileage for the sake of running more mileage isn't necessarily going to produce the results you want, especially with our programs. Our programs are already highly emphasized on mileage, right? So adding more mileage to that definitely doesn't necessarily have to be the way. I would, I almost take a step back now and say, well, let's, instead of doing these automatically adding this mileage, let's look at where you're at with these other aspects of like, what kind of workouts are you doing? What strength and mobility are you doing? Are you doing anything like as simple as strides? If you haven't, okay, maybe we start adding those things first. And then if you really feel like you want more mileage, then we can add the mileage. But if we do that, now you're going to have the resiliency, the foundation, the strength that you're, you're going to be able to handle that mileage, be more consistent at that mileage. And regardless if you're 25 or 55, being consistent at training is going to be a biggest your biggest asset. So preserve that muscle mass, put you in a position where you'd be consistently training, not be in a cycle of injury um, and, and missing training, things like that and keeping you out of the out of a rut where you're just running marathon 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 if we can do those things i truly think that you can preserve that high high level of performance um well into your 40s even your 50s so you know just thinking of that data you know the median you you can basically improve recreational runners can improve pretty solidly until they're into their 50s and then after that maybe it's more about maintenance and being at the top of your age groups and things like that. But um, but there's that window of, you just got to remember that window of where your your true ability is and where, and where your training ability takes you, there's always going to be some gap there. So you're never quite where, you're, not, you're never going to be maxed out in training. All right, so uh, now if you've checked out from doing track work, so say I just, I just told you this and you're like, I don't care, Humphrey. I'm not doing speed work. I'm not doing those things. I don't want to do it. I have no desire to do that. Hey, I don't blame you. I definitely have days like that too, where I just would be like, I'll just go for a jog, enjoy the day, you know, get me out on a, you know, Stony Creek and run some trails and I'm, I'm just fine. Um, so in that case, what are our other options? And, and ultimately it's something like, you know, I've, I have more and more people wanting to do like the dopey challenge at Disney in January, where you run the 5k, 10k, half marathon and marathon. That actually kind of sounds fun to me. I think I would kind of like to do that. I mean, I wouldn't care how fast I run it, but I would like to be competitive. I bet I could be pretty competitive at that. I could run pretty decent 5k, 10k, come back do a half marathon and full marathon and be pretty solid. I think I could do that. I like, I like the idea of that, but something like that, where it's just a pure endurance challenge, or, you know, I've seen people doing, you know, raising money for charities. That might be something that really gets you excited too. You can raise money for charity and do something crazy like, you know, 50 marathons in 50 states or the seven, seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. And, you know, you got the money to burn for that. Lord, you know, have, have at it, you know, that's, that's good, good for you. Um, so there's a lot of different things you can do. And I, I think that's where you ultimately have to go. If you're not willing to preserve that high level of performance, then the next option is to just run farther, right? Where that aerobic ability is going to be your primary factor in, being able to do it, you know, whether it's, you know, 50 miles, hundred miles, 200 mile race, something like that. Or if it's just a marathon every week or some, you know, with something like that, where it's purely general endurance, it's going to um, be your factor in, in, in performance. And, and honestly, the further the distance, the less that gender has as a factor. So like you'll see up to uh, like Camila Heron's actually a very good example of this. Like 
the further she runs, the, the less being, and I'm not trying to, I'm just seeing this from a physiological standpoint, you know, since she's a smaller person, she has less muscle mass, she has less aerobic capacity, things like that per body mass versus, you know, 150 pound guy, but you get up to hundred miles instead of there's that, that gap is really, there's really no gap. You know, she's, she's going to be just as good as the best guy at that level. So you can take the further you run, you can take gender out as a, as a factor. You can also take age out as a factor to some extent because your aerobic capacity can stay very, very high, very late in life. Very, I'll put it this way. It, you can keep it at a level much higher than what you need to run the distance, right? So, so the further you run, the less age and gender plays a role in success, right? So, and that's what you see a lot of times now. And that's what you're seeing with like, you know, Michael Wardian is a great example of that a very good marathoner earlier, but now he's in his forties and he's moved up and he's doing those things like the 50, you know, all those crazy challenges. And he's very, very successful at it because he can still run and train pretty hard, but pure talent and raw ability is going to be less of a factor at those longer distances than just what his history of training has done for him. So, um, so there's lots of stuff you can do, but ultimately, you know, there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, there's a million ways to handle decreasing speed due to aging. Um, the first is just don't lose it in the first place. Uh, but if you get to a point and you're like, I just, I really want to be competitive at something. I'm tired of not, you know, I'm tired of going to races and not finishing where I used to be. Then you just, you find a new adventure and that might be something running related it might not be running related, but whatever you do, just make sure it's something you enjoy. Because uh, if if you keep trying to uh, hammer away at those bigger marathons or you know wherever, where you where you're really stacking the deck against yourself, and being competitive is by your nature, then getting your butt whooped every time is not going to be very fun, right? It's 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 it can be motivating for a while. But then after, after it happens time after time after time again, you just lose that motivation. You don't want to do it. So whatever you do, do whatever you do decide on, make sure you like it. Make sure it reignites a passion for you to, to train, to compete, whatever the case is. Uh, but your prime definitely isn't at 40. It might not be till you're 60. But for most people, you know, if you especially if you're a late starter into the running, running, you can improve well into your fifties and sixties. If you're, if you're able to, if you're motivated by training and you like to train hard, even if you've been a lifelong exerciser, you can keep that fitness level high. You can be competitive in your age group, things like that. But, um, but if you don't enjoy it, I'd find, I'd find something to move on. Try something else. Try a, try a, if you've never done an ultra, try it, start with a 50 K um, and then maybe a 50 mile or something like that, but find a new adventure find something that's going to reignite your passion. But hopefully this kind of, you know, it made me motivated because just looking at that data, you know, I think we think, I, th I think we feel like we lose it a lot faster than we really do. And since we are athletes and you're exercising and things like that, we're, you know, we're, we're going to be in a different model than a sedentary person who's never exercised. That person's going to lose their health a lot quicker. They're going to lose their exercise ability a lot quicker. If you, maintain that at a high level, you're going to lose it. One, you're going to keep it at a high level for a lot longer and your, your slope of decline is going to be a lot less. So, 
So hopefully that motivates you a little bit. I know there's a lot of different things. We'll talk to you later. Have a great week.